0: Hi, I'm Tracy Kitten with Information Security Media Group. I'm here with Steve Keneally, Vice President of the Center for Payments and Cybersecurity by the American Bankers Association. We're here at the ABA Risk Management Forum in St. Louis. Steve, I just sat in on a session that you helped to co-host talking about the future of payments and payments risk. And one of the topics that came up was the notion of faster payments. Of course, the Fed Reserve has really been pushing faster payments and there have been some initiatives pushed by NACHA. Can you give us just an overview of some of the initiatives that are out there and how they're working together.
1: Sure. Faster payments is where the payments industry is right now. A few years ago, there were questions about why do we need to do that or should we wait on this? Where's the consumer demand? But I think the consensus among the industry now is that faster payments is now a question of how do we do it, not if we do it. There are three big initiatives out there now. The Federal Reserve, And the Federal Reserve is in an interesting position because they don't have the authority to mandate anything, but they can use their bully pulpit to help persuade the industry to move towards faster payments. And with their latest white paper on faster payments, they've released a strategy where they're going to be forming two task forces, one specifically on faster payments and one sort of following on that, how to secure those faster payments. And their idea is to draw stakeholders from across the payments industry. So it's not just banks, it's merchants, it's payment processors, it's payment networks, consumer groups, and more. And the idea is to build a consensus from those groups to to agree on at least a method to identify how to move forward when it comes to faster payments.
0: Steve, I know that the Fed has been reluctant to say that they want to have a hands-on role. They've asked the private sector to step in and perhaps try to lay the groundwork that could be used to initiate some kind of payments rail or something that would tie into the ACH rail that would help to push faster payments. But do you think that if the private sector isn't able to step in quickly enough that the Fed could play more hands on roll soon?
1: Um, It's possible. The Fed and their announcements and in different speaking areas where I've seen them present, they've specifically said, we do not want to be an operator. However, if the private sector does not meet these goals, we can step in. We may step in. They're not making it an ultimatum or any sort of certainty, but they're definitely reserving that opportunity.
0: So talking about faster payments, there's also a piece that comes into this that relates to mobile. And a lot of what was discussed today related to mobile payments and some of the security risks surrounding mobile. Apple Pay has been a hot topic at many events and in many news stories recently. And there have been some fraud concerns related to Apple Pay with fraudulent cards being used by fraudsters and loaded into Apple Pay and there being some authentication challenges. How have banks addressed some of those challenges?
1: Yeah, well, I think it's important to note that this is not a technical problem. It's not a hacking problem. It's not any sort of technical insecurity. What it is is the onboarding procedure to validate that, the individual is who they say they are, that the card is valid. Some of those controls weren't as strong as they can be. I think that the banks have recognized that, obviously, and they've increased their security on the onboarding procedure. They've solved that problem.
0: Are banks doing anything on the back end, Steve, to help authenticate users, or is this all front-end authentication?
1: You know, I think it's it's more front-end authentication. I mean, of course, once a person in their card is on board with the bank, those transactions are all monitored on a surveillance basis. But I think most of the idea is to solve the problem on the front-end. Hopefully, the back-end wouldn't be as important.
0: Something else that I thought was interesting, we've been talking so much about Apple Pay. I think we oftentimes forget that there are other options out there, one of those being Google Wallet. And something that came up today during the panel that I think a lot of banking institutions might not be aware of is that when it comes to fraud that may result from these types of events, whether it's something that's linked to a technical issue or if it's just something that relates to the fact that it's stolen card data, there seem to be more protections for banks with Google Wallet than there are with Apple Pay.
1: Uh, right. I think the basis of that is is the business model for the product itself. When a consumer uses Google Wallet at a merchant, the card account that's actually paying the merchant is a Google account. It's not the individual's account. What happens is the individual individual goes to the store, uses Google Wallet, the Google card is charged the amount, and then there's another step where then Google has a transaction directly with the Google Wallet owner's card. So if there was fraudulent activity at a store, there was an unauthorized transaction, it actually involves the Google card number and the merchant. The fraudulent transaction would not take place with the consumer's own credit card.
0: And another mobile option, I don't know if I really want to call it a wallet, was LootPay that you mentioned today. And LootPay actually is a magstripe transaction, so it's actually pushing the card number to the point-of-sale device in an NFC environment or an NFC type of transaction. Aren't there some major security concerns there, though, if the card number is being pushed to the device?
1: Yeah, I think you know in, in, it's an interesting product because it, it will use your card or a device that will mimic the customer's mag stripe. So it's not a real mobile transaction using NFC or the cloud or anything like that. It basically enables someone to use their phone or the dongle attached to it to initiate a mobile transaction at any POS terminal that accepts magnetic transactions.
0: When it pushes this data, this MagStripe data to the POS, is the data encrypted, I'm assuming? I mean, how is it protected?
1: I'm really not sure how yeah. it is protected, but when you, the consumer does enter the credit card information, they're entering their credit card data as it shows on their card, so it's not encrypted when it goes into the phone, okay. and then it gets transmitted from the phone to the MagStripe reader.
0: We'll probably be hearing more about now, because it seems that Samsung is going to be baking this into their phones going right. forward. Right.
1: Samsung, like the technology. Technology and they bought LoopPay, which which produced the dongle, which was you know a, an extra device that attaches to your phone. Samsung has announced that they're going to integrate this technology directly into future generations of phone, so that you'll be able to use all of their phones. At any merchant that can uh, accept a, a regular conventional card transaction.
0: Which is interesting. Well, Steve, I appreciate your time today. Thank you again. Thank you. Again, we've just heard from Steve Keneally of the American Bankers Association. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tracy Kitten.